Hello, everyone. I hope this finds you really doing well. And it's just a privilege to be with you tonight. I noticed some uh, names pop up that I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, Brian, Casey, Nick, uh, and others. And I hope all of you are doing well. Thanks for joining with us tonight. Last week, we left you uh, with these words from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Have you ever witnessed a parent telling a child to be still? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, kid maybe has had too much sugar um, or they're just fidgety. Oftentimes that can happen sitting in church or a doctor's office. Uh, remember the saying, hey, do you have ants in your pants? When the psalmist wrote, be still, he wasn't saying, get the ants out of your pants or sit still. He was speaking to our inner person, our spirit and our mind. He was speaking uh, to us in a way that would encourage us to relax, to chill, to know that God is in control. Now, today is part two of just a two-part series uh, called Facing Fear. And you know, worry is a cousin to fear. Worry is fearing the worst possible scenario or outcome. And worry is no respecter of persons, athletes, Musicians, politicians, students, patients, visiting a doctor's office, even pastors. Yes, pastors, because we're human after all. Uh, we can be prone to worry. And worry is both a verb and a noun. As a verb, it means to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. As a noun, a state of anxiety or uncertainty over actual or potential problems. And worry even has a place in name-calling. Have you ever been called a worrywart? I mean, that's a double whammy, right? It's like it, it's bad enough to be called a wart, but to be called a worrywart, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it really hurts deeply if you've been called that. Um, worry hits us all. Uh, tomorrow, for the first time in 37 years of marriage, oh, actually 38 years of marriage, uh, Shelly is going to be giving me a haircut. And uh, there's no chance of me getting in to see my barber. And so I'm just a little bit worried about how that can go. Um, she seems quite confident, but yet another thing for me to worry about. When Lauren was in the hospital experiencing uh, an unusually long and somewhat complicated birthing of our granddaughter, Rosie. There were a few worry warts in the waiting room. We admit that. We're living in worrisome times, but the coronavirus is no surprise to Jesus. Certainly fits what Jesus says to his followers in John sixteen thirty two. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that good news? That even though we face adversity and trouble in this life, the Lord has overcome the world so we can take heart. In Jesus's classic Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us about worry, not how to worry, but how to deal with worry and actually the uselessness of worry. I've chosen Eugene Peterson's Bible translation, The Message, for our text today, starting at Matthew 6, 25. 
If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearances than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. As you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll tend to you? take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Verse 34, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Now, admittedly, a lot of this teaching is about what we wear about fashion, actually, but there's an underlying message that Jesus is conveying. I have three points tonight in our teaching. The first is this. There are four, there are far, excuse me, there is far more to life than what we possess. We've all seen the images of medical workers testing and treating those with the coronavirus. Now, these are heroes to all of us because they're putting their very lives at risk but they're committed to assisting those in need to the point they have chosen this as their occupation. We pray for them, and like I said, we admire them. They realize there's far more to life than what they possess. There's a cause that they're committed to. That word occupation is a multifaceted word. These days, some are occupied with watching the stock market. Others are occupied with staying up with their news feed to get the latest news information. Some are occupied with staying connected to family and friends. So others are occupied with making sure that they have enough toilet paper. Jesus consistently emphasizes the occupation of love. John 13, 34, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. So Jesus commands us to have a new occupation, to be occupied, to have a priority of loving 
one another as he loves us. He says, don't be consumed with lesser things like worrying about food and clothes. And by the way, this part of the Sermon on the Mount is in the context of Christ's teaching about the treasure of the heart. These are, t- are related subjects. Matthew six nineteen, just a few verses earlier than his teaching on worry, he says this, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by thieves. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and thieves. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. You know, in times like these, we clearly see where our treasure is placed, in heaven or on earth. The more treasure we are placing up and storing in heaven, the less worried we are about our treasure on earth. The more we are helping our neighbor, the less we are consumed about our individual needs. The more we are living as an authentic follower of Christ, the more we are living free from the burden and the weight of what or what might not happen. Free because the onus is on God the Father to take care of our needs. It's not on us. So there's a release in our spirit when we're trusting the Father to take care of us like he takes care of the wildflowers. Second, if the Father cares for birds and wildflowers, how much more does he care for his children? If you need to be reminded how much God cares for you, my friend, remember why Jesus came. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is forecasting his crucifixion, that he will in fact be laying down his life for his friends, for us, how much he loves us. Such a strong love that nothing can keep it from us. Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever the effects of the coronavirus cannot separate us from the love of God, nor the provision of the Father for his children. Which leads to our final third point. Don't get worked up about possible future scenarios. God will help us with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Now, Peterson uses the phrase, don't get worked up. What he's talking about is don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow, next week, or next month. If we're not careful, we can worry our way into the hospital, into poverty, or worse. Jesus follows his theological teaching about how God cares for humanity with a very practical application. Worry never changes outcomes. I want you to capture this tonight. Worry never changes outcomes. Our emotional occupation can either fret about possible outcomes or relax in God's 
promises. In 1988, uh, a song about worry hit the charts, became quite popular. Some of you immediately know what song I'm referring to. Millennials might know it. Gen Z, maybe not. Probably not. It's a song that Bobby McFerrin recorded called Don't Worry, Be Happy. It's a very fun song. It's worth a listen. In fact, uh, Ryan added it on the Daily Anchor uh, playlist on Spotify. So if you care to, you can give it a listen. But here are some of the lyrics worth highlighting. In every life, we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord say your rent is late, he may have to litigate. By the way, I always thought litigate, what a great word to, uh, to rhyme in a lyric, right? Litigate. <laughs> but don't worry, be happy. Because when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. Now, toward the end of the song, he throws in this line, just in passing, like, good little children, don't worry, be happy. A couple of days ago, Lauren posted on the Daily Anchor in our social media feed a video, a short video, and you can find it on any one of our platforms. But in her post, she comments about how carefree her and Ryan's one-year-old is. Rosie never worries about where her next meal is coming from, what she will wear, or if she will have a comfy bed to sleep in. She sleeps peacefully, no worries. She's happy because she totally trusts in her parents. What a great example of how we are to trust in our Heavenly Father. So as we close the teaching tonight, and the application is just want to summarize the three points that we considered from Christ's teaching about worry in the Sermon on the Mount. First of all, life is more than what we possess. It's about loving one another. Getting our eyes off of our needs and on the needs of others is a healthy thing. I guarantee that there are people around us, around you, that have greater needs than we do. Lord, help us to get our eyes off of our needs and predicament and help us to be actively, aggressively trying to help those around us. Second, if the Father cares for birds and wildflowers, how much more does he care for us? When you need a reminder about how much God cares for you, I encourage you to go to the cross. We will be partaking of communion in just a few moments. And as we do, it's a great time for us to reflect, to once again remember how much God loves us. That's the big message that comes from the cross of Calvary how much God loves us, that he sent his only son to die so that we would have this revelation of love and the hope that lies therein, the love of God. And then third, don't worry about possible doomsday scenarios. Focus on today, trusting that whatever happens, whenever it happens, God will help you. He's got a great track record of helping 
those who call upon his name, those who trust in him. So relax, love one another, and let's put our faith in our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together.